Welcome to the Trad Dads Podcast, where we examine cultural and political issues through the lens of traditional thought. All right. So today we are going to talk about pets. Uh, I'm Levi Russell, uh, the typical host. And then, of course, uh, Levi Breederland is talking with me uh, all the way from Canada. And so uh, Levi and I have uh, many things in common, including our names and the number of children we have. Uh, but we also have a unique uh, disdain for pets. And so we wanted to talk about pets and why we think pets are, uh, I don't know, a pain in the neck, worthless, useless, <laughs> whatever, whatever kind of negative, negative word you want to use for them. So, you know, start us off, Levi, what do you think about, uh, you know, why, why don't you like pets? <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting question because like I grew up with cats and dogs, depending on what time period of life you wanted to look at. And at that point, like I didn't, you know, I didn't hate pets and I would, maybe I'd say now that I don't hate pets. Um, but when you look at society and how pets are in a lot of ways becoming like a replacement for having kids, that, that has always bothered me. And so kind of that whole idea just like when people see you out walking your dog, the assumptions that can be thrown at you now compared to, you know, 50 years ago or something. But they're also just like a massive uh, waste of time and waste of money. Um, so like right now we've got we've got a one year old, one and a half year old dog and she's a great dog. Um, and she'll, you know, sit, sit at your feet or sit on your lap and she shows affection and it's nice when she shows affection but the amount of time that is spent in order to get that affection it's like the 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 cost versus benefit is way off and yeah that that's that's the big thing for me it's like i put so much time and energy into keeping this dog alive and healthy for uh, you know 20 minutes of her resting her head on my leg like yay yeah. Well, and I, and I, to me, it's, it's, it's just so many different things. So when, when I was, when I was a really young kid, we lived out in the country, just out in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, we had a couple dogs and, you know, we had some cats, but it was sort of like with the cats, it was like you got them and you gave them shots, but then they just sort of hung around your house. Like they weren't really yours or not yours. <laughs> And and none of the pets were ever in our house, ever. They were always outside. So, you know, the, what made them ours was the fact that they had a collar that had our name on it. And, you know, uh, the fact that we gave them food and water on a regular basis. I mean, there was no fence. You know, they just kind of knew to hang around. And, you know, at that point, they're fairly low maintenance. Okay, sure, you could argue that, you know, the food's expensive or something like that. Or, you know, it's a pain in the neck to have to, uh, you know, um, make sure they're always fed and watered and all that stuff. And, you know, well, it gets really cold outside. You got to go break the ice and, and all that sort of thing. But, you know, you get some enjoyment with them, too, because, you know, they can fetch and they can do this and that. And, you know, they're, they'll if you're a little kid, you know, they'll just sort of run along beside you while you're going somewhere. Um, but. You know, then when we moved into town and we got like a house dog that was in the house, it's just like everything, everything was just totally different because then the things just around you all the time. 
And of course, there's pet hair everywhere. Um, and it's just the maintenance level just shoots through the roof. So I feel like to me, in terms of maintenance, that's the, that's the big divide is between is the dog, does the dog live outside a hundred percent of the time or does it live in the house some of the time? Because like the cleaning and all of that stuff that you have to do to make it so your house does not seem like the dog lives there. You know what I mean? I I just, that's just what bugs me. And it's not that. It's not that it bugs me that, you know, people have a dog in their house and there's, you know, pet hair on their couch or whatever, but it's like at some point it gets really bad and then you have to, you know, so it's just one of those things you have to stay on top of. It's like the more, the more urban you get, the, the more the pet is inside. Like our dog, our dog goes in the backyard multiple times in the day, um, partially to get her out of my hair and also to make sure that she doesn't soil the carpets and whatnot. Um, but then she's only out there for 10, 15 minutes before she's barking. And it's like, well, now now we're disturbing the neighbors because the neighbors live right next door. And so now she needs to come back in. But if you're out, you know, on a farm and the dog knows to stay more or less on your property, um, the dog has a bit of a purpose at that point because it's like if you have a dog that will bark when stranger arrives, then that's actually beneficial or in the sake of cats, it's like if you've got cats that live more or less outside, um, they're they're they are making a, a difference in your life because they are consuming the mice and other rodents that might cause problems in your shed or something. So, but if you yeah. if you live in a you know a townhouse and you don't have a, much of a yard to speak of, or you live like in an apartment then you have to like manually leash your dog, take it down the stairs, take it outside so that it can do its business, clean up after it because it's illegal to leave animal droppings. Yep. Like there's so many, so many more levels of, of work you have to put into it to get the same amount of, uh, the same amount of benefit. Yeah. And so then beyond that, then of course, you know, if, if the dog is, um, you know, in a more urban environment. So you have to walk it everywhere uh, to, to give it enough exercise so that it doesn't get, you know, unhealthy and get all these uh, physical ailments and stuff like that, um, which are incredibly expensive to take care of. If, you know, if they have, you know, some problem with their, their hips or they get too fat and they have diabetes or whatever they do, you know, the, the, the veterinary services are incredibly expensive. Yeah. And so it's almost kind of one of these funny things where like, if you live in the middle of nowhere, a dog or a cat can be, can give you a lot of benefits in the sense that they can be, you know, a lot of fun to play with outside or, you know, the cats get rid of the mice or, you know, the dogs bark and keep people away from your property or whatever. And then the cost is also, again, relatively speaking, fairly low. But then the more the more you kind of uh, move them into a, sp- a space where there's a lot of people, all of a sudden now it just goes completely the other direction. Because now the benefits are almost zero. You know, like, what are they going to do? I mean, a dog is just a smelly, hairy, uh, you know, home alarm system slash, you know, home defense weapon. Um, and, and a huge liability, too, because if and, they're yeah. a home defense weapon, they're also potentially going to scare someone and then have them sue you. Right. Great. Yeah, and I mean, you could get sued for shooting somebody, but, you know, put that aside. Um, 
But, you know, and cats are just really inefficient, lazy, smug mousetraps, you know, like, I mean, that's it. You know, if you're in an urban setting, that's literally all they're worth. Um, And so then on top of that, you know, it's like, you know, I'm sure, oh, well, you know, you got to buy this super fancy expensive dog food that costs $500 or whatever. I, I don't know. But, you know, it's just all of that sort of thing. And you just see some of these animals and they're just so like overweight and they're, and they're lazy. And it's like, man, this is not what these things were made for, you know? <laughs> so I, yeah, it, it just seems like economically it just doesn't make any sense. And so it would, so I guess maybe that is what, maybe that is why people who have them treat them like members of the family because oh, they're trying yeah. to justify that super high cost. Right. Yeah, either if like even if it's a like it's a subconscious thing, they're not intentionally trying to justify it, but just to think, right. like, you know, we decided to get a some some insert some uh, high high cost breed of dog name here, um, right. and we're going to wait to have kids. It's like okay, so you're you're using the animal as a practice of having something that relies on you fully. And then justifying it because you're you're calling it practice or whatever, and then right. pumping loads of money into it, and it's it's not providing much benefit, and it's only going to be around for you know a decade or two, depending on what kind of animal you got. Yeah, so I, I think there's there's a lot of like the psychological stuff that we should talk about kind of separately, but just purely in the cost benefit analysis. I think I think this is what's going on. Like all those things you said, I think are are relevant, but I think we can kind of treat those separately too. But you know, you just take all those you know supposed benefits that people get out of this dog. Now that's like, um, you know, it's like, oh well, you know, we have we have two kids. Um, you know, uh, one of them is uh, you know Dave, and the other one is you know Susie the dog. And you're like, <laughs> those are not your kids. Like. One of them is your kid and the other one is your dog. Like those are separate things completely. <laughs> and it's like, I, I really, I wonder if, yeah, it's like this subconscious uh, need to sort of justify the incredibly high cost and giant pain in the neck that it is to manage a, a pet, especially a large one in a, in a more urban type environment. Yeah. I had so an that, argument with someone online a while back and they were like, yeah, I'm never having kids. Pets are, pets are all I need. And, and I, I, my like ending before they gave up having a conversation with me was something along the lines of at least when you have kids, eventually they grow up and they become fully independent in the majority of cases. And even, you know, society can be in shambles, but your adult kids can take care of you as you get older. But with a pet, it's like, there you you pump money into them for a decade or two and then after that you pay to have them put down because they're old and in pain or whatever and it's like you didn't yeah. get anything in the end right yes what 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 is it worth yeah and and so that i think that brings another thing up where it's just sort of like the 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 finality of the pet you know what i mean it's 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 only going to be there for a while okay yeah fine if you get a pet when your kid's like eight, then by the time your kid leaves the house, you know, the, the pet is going to maybe still be there, but it's going to be, you know, decrepit and old and suffering and all of this. Um, 
and it's just I don't know. It, it's not that it seems cruel to me because it's like I mean these things already exist, so there's nothing you can do about that. Uh, I mean, it's not like if you just uh, I mean there's there's so many dogs and pounds and all that kind of stuff because people don't spay and neuter their pets, but it's not like we can get rid of the supply of them by you know uh, changing the demand. But it just seems. Um, it just seems like it's it's such an out for people who don't want to take on the responsibility of actual human beings. <laughs> and here's where I really think this is more intentional on the cognitive dissonance, right? They're 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 trying to convince themselves that it's okay for me to, you know, skip out on the normal thing that almost everyone does, right? And have children um because I can just go get a cat or go get like four dogs or whatever and just and, and and still get all of the feeling that I want to get out of that pet. You know, like it, it's almost like the pet is a way for you to get all of the joy of having something you take care of without any of the responsibility really. Yeah. You know, cause I mean at the end of the day, like obviously, you know, you can be put in jail for torturing a dog or something like that maybe, but it's never going to be as bad as if you mistreat a human, right? And just yeah, a lot more responsibility. Level, yeah, the level of responsibility is much more manageable and doesn't change over time. Like once, once your pet doesn't, uh, you know, soil the carpet, um, it's kind of going to stay the same until it becomes a senior. Right. Um, instead of with a kid, where you know every six months your kid is way more uh, productive slash destructive than right. they were before. So exactly. You have to, grow with them when but with a pet yeah it's like you know what to expect for the next decade you're gonna have to you know walk the dog daily or something and that's it right and so i mean it it seems like um you know so i I wouldn't say there's nothing good about it at all i mean obviously people talk about how you know well if you're you know if you're 70 years old you're more likely to hit 80 if you have a pet you know or um uh, you know, or well, it's good for teaching your kid responsibility, blah blah blah. But I just don't buy that, even that one, because to me, it just seems like the dog always just ends up being one of the parents' responsibility. <laughs> yes, and you, you know what I mean. And the kids are just like, oh, whatever, who cares? You know. And there's there's much more financially reasonable options. Like if if you wanted to stick with the pet idea, it's like you can go and you can get a goldfish. Yes. And for twenty bucks, you can have everything you need for the goldfish. And it's going to last, you know, maybe a year. Yep. I don't know. I can't remember what the lifespan of a goldfish is. But, yeah, a fish isn't going to last forever. Right. And you can still, the the kids still learn some responsibility because the fish has to get fed and the tank has right. to get cleaned and you can't feed it too much and all that kind of stuff. Right. But the amount of money you put into that for them to learn the responsibility side of things is like that's that's much more reasonable. Plus, you know, you're house doesn't get torn to shreds and your backyard doesn't get torn to shreds and your vegetable garden doesn't get dug up speaking from experience (laughs) yeah so i since becoming an adult i've never had a pet um i have just said no um and you know i mean the thing with the goldfish too is you can just replace it with something that's functionally exactly the same as the one that just died, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The emotional connection is a big thing with with the dog, especially right. with the dog. Oh yeah, yeah. And 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 it's one of these things where, uh, you know, it, the the dog 
is just going to it, you're right the, the destruction and the cleaning and all of that sort of thing is a good responsibility point but it's just so much more difficult with a dog than it is with a goldfish or even like a hamster or something i mean you know that's even less trouble than um you know if you got to have a furry thing but <laughs> i don't know did you ever have you ever seen that movie beethoven about oh, the yeah. big saint bernard right yeah so my hero in that movie is the dad at the beginning of the movie at the end he turns into a softy but at the beginning he is an intelligent person and he's like he has a line where he's like we're you know we're we're not dog people we're goldfish people <laughs> and i'm like this man understands reality you know you need to be a goldfish person that's that's a perfect or you know i mean heck okay maybe goldfish aren't pretty enough okay so you get like those little beta fish or yeah, something exactly. like that whatever like i mean at least they're you know they're calming and quiet instead of you know borderline <laughs> crazy you know and chewing everything up so yeah. then it it's so it's i kind of wonder if it's sort of like a chicken and egg argument though with this whole um this whole like replacing kids thing so is it the case that there was just this attitude out there and it just happened to latch onto pets as this replacement for children or did the phenomenon of people, uh, you know, overly, um, you know, treating their pets so well did that sort of morph into, uh, you know, this, this sort of, uh, laziness about building a, an actual family. My theory is that the uh, the changes in the last hundred or so years and how we've really delayed delayed parenting by by quite a bit, like in the average person's life, they're having kids later and whatnot, right. and just people spending more time not having kids or and or um, being having fewer kids so smaller families um it's much more it's much easier for someone to say oh yeah we could get a pet too because we've only got one kid or something so right. we've, we've made it a much more reasonable idea that someone can just get get a pet and have the pet be part of the family quote unquote right so so it's kind of you know building building on itself like i don't think we we said from from the offset like oh yeah we can you know replace kids with animals but right so it's just kind of like another crutch to kind of get you to the next to, to kind of extend your adolescence a little bit more it's like you know you everybody goes through all of high school now right so you're not you definitely don't have a lot of people coming out of high school and going or sorry leaving high school early and getting right into the workforce so that obviously is going to push off the maturity a little bit so, but then, and again, this is not to say that all these things are bad, but it's just that there's this maturity, you know, this, this delayed, uh, you know, uh, delayed maturity as a cost, you know? So now everybody goes to college for four years or not everybody, but you know, 60, 70% of the population goes to college for four years. Well, that's going to delay family formation. Certainly. I mean, I, I don't know hardly any people who, you know, in recent years who have gotten married while they were in college, let alone uh, starting a family while they were in college. Exactly. And even, yeah. So like, even if they did get married, 
you know, maybe when they were 20 or 21, they're still not having kids until they're mid to late 20s at the very earliest. And in some places, like probably on the coasts or whatever, uh, you know, it's probably more like mid 30s. Yeah. And so, and so, yeah, it just seems like, okay, well, then after the sort of the four year college excuse, you know, for being just, you know, going to bars and, and just sort of living free or whatever, um, after that ends, then it's like you got to have another, you have like another thing, you know? And so if you're, you're living alone or even if you get married, you're like, well, okay, maybe it's easier if we just, you know, buy a couple dogs and then, you know, it's a really low cost kind of thing and we still get some enjoyment out of it ourselves. So it almost does seem very kind of narcissistic too, right? Or, or maybe not, um, you know, necessarily narcissistic, but it's very self-focused, right? I mean, I think that's the, the root of the, you know, anti have kids mentality, you know, is you just, you want like all of this, you know, pleasure for yourself that doesn't cost you anything really. Yeah. Yeah. Like to, to call it narcissistic sounds, sounds harsh, but it's, it definitely seems somewhat in that direction. Like you're, you're wanting the enjoyment of having an animal show some affection for you in a lot of cases, but not have the, uh, you know, getting up in the middle of the night for a baby and all that kind of right. thing. So that definitely and, seems a little, little on the narcissistic end of the spectrum. And, and, you know, it, it seems like it, it really just avoids sort of all the, um, or the bulk of the character building and the, the, the true fulfillment and, um, you know, sacrifice that has to go along with kids, you know, is, is that, that, that kid, you know, they, that, that's a human being, you know, and so they are, um, you know, they're learning things. They, they, when they say they love you, they actually mean something by that. You know, there's, there's real meaning there. And the fact that you've had to sacrifice to help build them up, to help get them where they are, there's fulfillment in that. You know, it's not just, you know, well, am I happy? Well, you know, it's, I'm not super happy when I have to get up in the middle of the night all the time with a baby or, you know, when my, my kids won't go to sleep or whatever, or, um, you know, they get into a fight at school or something like that. I mean, those are challenges in your life, but they, but what you get out of them is so much greater, you know? And so this idea of, of having a sacrifice that gives you some kind of, you know, reward and builds your character. But I just don't see any of that with, you know, a pet or at least at the very least, whatever that gives you in terms of character building is so much lower in terms of, you know, the benefit relative to, you know, having a child and adding to humanity. Yeah. And it's also incredibly costly. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're, you're putting in a lot of money for the, the little bit of character building and an affection you get from an animal compared to, you know, it, it is costly to have kids, but Mm-hmm. It is also a longer investment because, you know, wait till they're in their 30s or wait till wait till you become a grandparent. And, you know, it's a it's a much longer, a much longer stage of of times that, you know, different different forms of benefits can can be brought back to you. Yeah. And so, you know, that that actually I think that opens up a way to talk about this from, you know, another sort of economic angle on this, which is obviously what I try to do with everything. Um, as an economist, but, um, it's, is like this time preference thing, you know, so time preference is this idea of like, how, 
how much do you discount future benefits or costs? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like how – so if if um, if if I have really high time preference, then what that means is like I just want everything right now. So like I'm going to run up a credit card no problem because I got to have everything right now. I don't want to save for it. You know what I mean? And so like the the fact that saving and not putting myself in debt would benefit me, you know, even in the relatively near future, I just am so – I so just don't care about the near future, you know, uh, relative to the current state, you know, relative to my current state that I'm just going to run up all these credit cards. And so, I mean, it, it sounds like sort of like a moralizing thing, but it's, it, it's actually kind of funny where it's like, you don't, if you, if you have low time preference and what that means is you're, um, you know, you're, you're going to treat payoffs that are far in the future um, you're going to discount them, but not you're not going to discount them very heavily. So you're going to see the you're going to understand the logic of having children that 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 really um, sort of bring you this sort of true joy over a longer period of time. If you have a lower time preference, you're going to see that point a lot better, and you're going to be more likely to have children. But if you have high time high time preference, and you're uh, you just everything's about the moment, and you got to have everything right now. Blah 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 blah. Um, you know, you're just you're gonna just want the easy thing that you can get right now, and it's totally different. That also reminds me, like if you, with dogs particularly, you know, you've got all these different breeds, and if you look back at the history, like dogs were bred for specific purposes, and mm-hmm. like the growing up, the the three dogs that we had. Throughout my childhood, we had um, two German shepherds, and then we had an Australian shepherd. Right. And you know, those those were originally dogs meant for shepherding, hence the name. And that was like you got one of those because it was you know a business investment that right. would improve your business return in some way or another. And same with you know dogs that were bred for their hunting abilities or. Dogs that were bred for their finding mushroom abilities. Right. It's, it's all, it was, you know, it wasn't just like, let's, let's have a pet because it can show me affection in mm-hmm. the next 10 years. It's let's, let's get this dog that will have a return. And you know, the, the affection it shows at the end of the day is, you know, it's a little bit of a benefit on the side. It's not right. It's like a, yeah, it's a side benefit. Well, and I wonder too if people – if it was ever sort of like widely understood that the affection the pet shows you is not is not nearly as meaningful as the projection you put onto it. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like I mean the, the, the idea that the pet cares about you and loves you is purely a projection from your own mind. Like that animal is not capable – of thoughts on that level. It just isn't. Um, it, it couldn't be. Yeah. And so many of the things they do that, that we call affection is just like instinctual. Right. Them, them trying to take care of you. Like when a dog licks your wound is like, well, they're, they're doing that because that's what they do. They're mm-hmm. not doing it because they want to make you feel better. Right. They don't have a will. They, they, and, they, they, they didn't make a decision. They're just operating based on, 
you know, impulses. <laughs> yeah. And when, like, when a cat rubs their face against you while you're petting it, they're not showing affection. They're marking their territory with their scent because they have scent right. glands on their head that do that. I see. So it's, like, it's it's totally normal for the cat to rub its its head against you because it's saying, like, yeah, this this hand that's making me feel great is mine. And right. I want it to make sure it smells like my territory. Yeah. So there's no affection involved. It's just them claiming their space. But there is this huge, I mean, you can just see how the, the projection of that, that kind of behavior the, or the projection of the meaning of that kind of behavior is everywhere. I mean, it's, it's in movies, it's in books. It's just the way we think about pets, you know? And it's like, I almost wonder if, if we had a more realistic, um, you know, point of view on pets, you know, maybe we wouldn't have this problem of, you know, declining populations in so many places, um, you know, where people would just, they wouldn't have that crutch to, you know, that, that keeps them in this sort of, you know, um, childless state for so long. Yeah. It seems like the, that crutch kind of thing is definitely whether intentional or not is it's, it's definitely contributing to the, the problems that we're we're having where you know the whole smaller families and declining birth rate and everything mm-hmm. like there's there's definitely a connection there yeah I, it's it's just one of these things too that just frustrates me because you know we could it, it could be the case that um you know we that People have, a, they get a dog after they have children instead of the other way around, you know. I mean, I, I, again, I would, you know, if somebody has a preference for the pet, like if they actually think, you know, they're getting something out of it, you know, fine. I'm not, I'm not telling people they shouldn't have a pet. I, I guess all I'm saying is I, I, it just seems like it should be a secondary consumption thing, not a replacement for something far more meaningful, yeah. Um, and also recognize the, the sort of the technological problems with it, you know, that, uh, you know, a nine millimeter and a, and a, and a, you know, a door alarm is a lot better, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> home protection than, than the dog would ever be in, even in terms of liability and insurance and all that. Yeah. And trying to justify, justify doing, doing that. Like you can definitely justify a cat if you are living in a rural place and the cat can kind of keep the mouse population decent. Uh, and you can justify a dog for a lot of, a lot of similar reasons when you're in a rural place. But then when you're in, in, in an apartment or even just like in a suburb, it definitely makes things, it makes things trickier to, to like, to have a reason for it. Yeah. I, I, it just seems like the, the cost benefit is all out of whack and the, even, even in cases where the, the so-called benefit exceeds the cost, it, it's, it's purely out of this like sort of, um, psychological projection, I think <laughs> to some extent. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I think, you know, with that, I think we'll, um, you know, tie it up there. Uh, hopefully we'll get lots and lots of hate mail from this one. Um, but you know, uh, we, we are strong enough to uh, weather the storm of the hate mail. <laughs> it definitely would be interesting if if uh, some of the other guys want to do one that's totally pro pets, just to 
to show both sides of the same coin kind of thing. Yeah, that I I think at least one of them will be able to do that, and maybe I'll maybe I'll try to interview them and uh, and sort of inculcate them and try to you know just uh, slide in the sort of um, uh, subliminal messages uh, <laughs> while we're talking. Maybe I'll convince them that we're right. Sounds sounds like a good plan. <laughs> you bet. Thanks for listening to the Trad Dads podcast. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. It really helps us out.